Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday. We talk all things sports, NBA, NFL, some fantasy sports. Today we are talking NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Trevor Lane. He's the host of Lakers Nation, also has the NBA front office show. Trevor, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Alex. Uh, congrats on the new show, and uh, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, so let's start with this year's Lakers team. Um, I think this is a really fun squad. Ever since last year's midseason shakeup, they've been a really fun team to watch. They've been playing really well. What are your expectations for this team kind of entering the year? Yeah, I think that the expectation is for this team to try to continue what they finished last season, the way they played post trade deadline last year obviously it was on a completely different level because really it was a completely different team than the team that we saw pre-trade deadline so once they added their pieces added guys like D'Angelo Russell like uh of course you're bringing in Rui Hachimura you're bringing in Jared Vanderbilt and then giving a bigger role to Austin Reeves they really win on a strong stretch I feel like they kind of ran out of gas in the Western Conference Finals in addition to running into a very very good Denver Nuggets team but the expectation is for them to pick up where they left off get back to their winning ways and not go on that, say, 2-10 and 10 start like we saw last season. So expectations are high for this team. The They are expected to be one of many title contenders in the NBA this season, and we'll see if they can live up to that. Austin Reeves is such a fun story. Uh, I know everyone's talking about him now, especially after what he did with Team USA. But to go undrafted, I know he's talked about it since and said he could have gotten drafted by you know teams like Detroit, but he chose mm-hmm. to go undrafted and join the Lakers and kind of bet on himself. But you know, what are your thoughts on just this this story? And and do you think he could have a breakout season and kind of take his game to a whole other level this year? Well, I think for for NBA wide, it, it's a really good. Um, situation to look at in terms of of understanding that in the draft, it's more about your landing spot than it is your draft number. And and I think that Austin making the decision to not be drafted by Detroit because you reasoned that if he were to do something with the Lakers, it would get more attention. It would mean more than if he were to go to Detroit and also that the Lakers would have more opportunities for him. That ended up being a very, very wise one, despite having to sacrifice hearing his name called on draft night, which is a dream that a lot of these guys have had for years and years and years. So getting to the right spot can be more important than hearing your name called or getting drafted at a certain number. And that's important. I mean, now look, you've got Austin Reeves, who's making more money than the number one pick from his draft class. So that certainly is impressive in and of itself. But also it's a testament to just Austin's perseverance and his ability to battle not just onto the roster initially, but then into a rotation spot and now up to a starting spot now to the point where he's on Team USA and he's being recognized as one of the best young players in the NBA. So uh, his rise has been very fast, but his ability to fight through and go from, again, being undrafted to where he's at today is certainly remarkable. You and I have talked about it over the years that when guys are bought out, they tend to look at the Lakers and think, okay, uh, I'm going to be on national TV a lot. If I play well, there's a lot of exposure. So we've seen it from that front where free agents on a one-year deal or bought out guys will you know, try to go to LA because they know that playing well will get on everyone's radar. But interesting for him to do that you know, from a draft perspective and, and basically bet on himself as an undrafted guy. So it's cool to see his, uh, you know, his, his situation kind of pay off and, and his, his gamble pay off. It's been fun to watch. I'm curious, uh, obviously, there's so much talk about the new duos around the NBA. 
you know, Giannis and Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, last year we saw a little bit of Book and KD, but relatively new. There's there's a lot of talk about those duos that come together, but LeBron and AD have been together several years now, so it's not like the sexy new duo, but uh, still so dominant when healthy. Where would you rank LeBron and AD as a duo when they're at full strength? When they're both healthy and they're both playing to the the peak of their powers right now, while LeBron, who's going into going to be 39 uh, coming up in December, they still can be at the very top of the NBA. They can be the best duo. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Anthony Davis was the best defensive player in the league. Uh, he has that ability. Again, there's plenty of question marks. Can he stay healthy the whole time? LeBron James, same thing. Can these guys stay healthy? That's a big, big question, but they can be among the very best. LeBron went on a stretch in December and in January before he got hurt where he looked like he was maybe the best player in the NBA. He was at least in the top three or four players in the league at that point. He just, what you get out of LeBron now is you've got a guy that for stretches can turn it on and he can become the LeBron of old, the LeBron, the 33 or 34 year old version of LeBron. He can become that guy again. He just can't do it all the time. He can't do it all season anymore. And so if you get him during the right point of the season, particularly if it's the playoffs where he can really empty that gas tank, he can be great. He can be devastating for opponents. The problem with the Lakers last year, he had to hit that turbo button way too early in the season. So the hope is that this year he'll have to delay it. But I do believe they can be the best duo in the NBA if they're both at the peak of their powers at the same time, which we didn't see last year. It's so impressive what LeBron is doing at his age. Obviously, it gets talked about a lot, but he flirted with retirement a little bit toward the end of last season. I'm not sure you know how serious that was because... You know, a few months earlier, he had made comments that he wants to keep going for a couple more years. We know the rumors that he wanted to play with his son. So, you know, I'm not sure how serious that flirtation was, but he, he did kind of float that out there a little bit about retiring. You know, how much longer could you think LeBron can do this? Because it feels like we've been having this conversation for the last five, six years, and then he just continues to play at a high level. Obviously, to your point, he can't do it every night, but it's just incredible what he's still able to do at, at this age. Yeah, you know, it's... It's almost it's like LeBron, you look at it physically, you look at this guy. I mean, he's like carved out of stone, right? And so and so when you see him out there doing the things that he's doing, you just kind of get to a point where you expect it. You're like, this guy isn't even human. He's just out here doing these things. And it's absolutely unreal. But when you take a step back and you realize how old he is, and yes, there have been players that have played to this age, but not at this level at this age. This is really unprecedented what we're seeing. I also don't know that we've seen an athlete who from day one has had such a focus on taking care of his body like LeBron has. So I don't know how much longer he can do this. You know, he mentioned it towards the end of last season that when he's talking about retirement and everything, he also said, but I still feel, I believe the the number he went to was I'm still, I still feel like I'm better than 95% of, of the league and he's not wrong. So as long as he's still in that upper echelon, he's going to keep, be able to keep doing it. And he's got, again, he's so physically strong that he's going to be able to continue to be effective out there on the court for a long time. I think the big question with him is just, it's the mental piece. How long does he want to keep doing? How long does he want to keep putting his body through that? Because it seems like physically, while yes, some injuries are starting to mount, he still, he still gets it done out there on the floor. Yeah, I've talked to some of his former teammates like Iman Shumpert about just the the work he puts in on his body. And Shumpert, you know, tells great stories about how they're all going out to, you know, enjoy a night in the town and LeBron is like no I have my my body my treatment uh you know scheduled like he he won't he won't put everything after his treatment you know he's mm-hmm. basically always doing cryotherapy and and just making sure his body is uh you know taken care of before he goes and do that other does that other stuff so 
I mean, it's definitely paid off for him. I think there was a quote from Maverick Carter a couple years ago that LeBron invests like $2 million a year into his body, just, you know, with cryotherapy and the hyperbaric chamber and like all the things that he's kind of bought and uh, and does. And it's obviously working. It's very similar to a guy like Tom Brady. That was obviously, to yeah. your point, physically able to still play, but mentally, the family stuff, you know, those things tend to catch up. And you wonder, do you, does a guy in his 40s really want to prepare for a, a, an NBA season or in Brady's case, an NFL season and all the work that kind of goes into that on and off the floor. So I think you're right. That's going to be what really ends up, you know, deciding when LeBron James retires. But it's pretty incredible. I mean, we see so many guys break down, you know, in their early 30s uh, to be able to still do this and play at this high level. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, I want to ask you about Rob Palenka because I know Laker fans have had, you know, an up and down relationship with him over the years. Some of them are huge fans of what he's been able to do. At times, they've also been very frustrated with certain moves. Uh, after last season, midseason shakeup, that really worked out so well. And then with the moves that were made this offseason, where do you think Laker fans are at with Rob Palenka? And what are your thoughts on kind of the job he's done, you know, recently? Uh, everybody's feeling really good with, with Rob Palenka right now. Obviously, it was there was a rough time. A lot has changed in a year. Um, but they they went through that really dark period, right? The the Russell Westbrook trade signaled the start of a very difficult stretch for for the Lakers, and um, you know they went through a year and a half where it just felt like the team was stuck, and there was just not much they could. They had this big forty seven million dollar anchor just sitting on their books, and Rob Palenka took a lot of the blame for that. There was plenty of blame to go around, but there were a lot of questions about you know is this is this front office really prepared to lead this this team given the decision making that we've seen at this point this is a, a major I mean one of the worst mistakes we've seen made in NBA history but then prior to that I thought he made some really good moves where they didn't get Kawhi in 2020 he had an excellent plan B lined up and executed it very quickly and it ultimately helped them win an NBA championship that year I thought they made some nice moves coming out of that in 2021 uh getting guys like Marcus Gasol getting Montrezl Harrell De Dennis Schroeder ultimately that team fell short due to injuries hitting them in the postseason. Then you make the Westbrook trade. It was probably an overcorrection at that point. But at least they learned from it. You can see by the build of this current Lakers team, they recognized their error and they reversed course. And given what they've been able to accomplish since the trade deadline this past year, with everything on the line, they came up big. They came up big. And so now you've got Lakers fans that have a lot more faith in the front office and the moves that they're making moving forward at, again. This is a complete 180 from what we saw a year ago. We were talking a year ago about whether or not Rob Plink would last yeah. another season with the Lakers. And now here, uh, fans are singing his praises. And then what are your thoughts on kind of how some of the new guys fit? Guys like Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish. We saw uh, the Christian Wood signing. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of those moves and how those guys fit with this roster? Yeah, I, I like the moves that they've put together here. I like the value of a lot of the players that, that, that they got. Obviously, the Austin Reeves contract, there's... There's some extenuating circumstances there, right, where his deal is limited by the NBA in terms of how much the Lakers could actually give him. But he was one of the better signings of the offseason. Then you look at the new guys that they brought in. It all fits a bigger theme. And a lot of that theme is making sure that LeBron has all the support that he needs. So I've been asking for this for years, for wing depth on this Lakers team, which is much easier said than done. Wings are, are not easy to come by in today's NBA. But now you've got 
Rui Hachimura. You've got Jared Vanderbilt. I thought they had a great deal for Torian Prince at four and a half million. I thought he was on a great contract with the Wolves mm -hmm. and they let him go at over seven million and change. There were some cap reasons there, but still they've got Tor Torian Prince on a great contract. You bring in even Cam Reddish. Now they've got a team that is built around wing depth and guard depth. And I think you can really see the blueprint. They want this team that has positional size, that has a lot of switchability on the defensive end of the floor and has enough firepower so that if, uh, if LeBron is needs to take a night off or whatever, things don't just fall to pieces. That's the idea with this squad. I think they've done a really nice job executing it. And while I looked at the team just a year ago with Russell Westbrook and LeBron and Anthony Davis and then just an island of misfit toys, all these spare parts that just didn't really fit, this team, you can look at it on paper. The pieces fit. You can see there's a plan. They executed that plan and they got it done. There's a lot of talk about Denver, obviously, bringing back most of their core. Phoenix uh, has just tons of star power. You know, some questions about their depth. But when you look at the Western Conference, which teams are you most concerned about for the Lakers, you know, as far as their top competition for the Western Conference crown? Well, the thing about the West is it's, it's insanely deep. Like this is this conference. You're going to have a really good team, at least one, not even make the play in yeah. in the West. That's how deep the Western Conference is. And anybody can beat anybody on any given night. So, of course, Denver right now is sitting at the top and, and rightfully so. But Sacramento, this is a team that's on the rise. They can be really good. They can beat anybody on any, any given night. The Clippers and, you know, they're committing towards Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing more in the regular season. Now, I know they've got plenty of injury concerns, but they can be really good any night. I think Oklahoma City has been getting a lot of buzz lately. They've been a favorite of mine. They're definitely at the top of my league pass list in terms of non-Lakers teams to keep an eye on. I think they're going to be very, very dangerous this year. You've also got uh, teams like, of course, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks. I mean, you've got Luka and Kyrie now with some experience playing together. I think people are sleeping on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Alex, I can make an argument for 10, 11, maybe 12 teams in the Western Conference to finish in the top four. And that just goes to show this is what the NBA has been wanting. They've been wanting parity. They've got it in the West. And I think we're in for a really exciting playoff race. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This, this conference is absolutely loaded. What are your thoughts on the in-season tournament and how that could kind of impact things? Uh, I know some fans are really against it, but we've seen mm -hmm. that before. You know, fans were against the all-star changes and the play-in tournament. And then it's ended up working out and, and fans kind of came around. In-season tournament, I don't know. I, I think there's some fans that are really staunchly against it. Others, you know, are open-minded, especially fans that maybe liked soccer before and kind of understand how it works in other sports. But what are your thoughts on kind of how that's going to impact things? Well, it is trying to follow that soccer model to some degree. And I don't, there's, in the U.S., there's going to be some people who are going to have a negative perception of soccer. And so anything that is trying to mimic that system you're going to get a negative reaction from some people because we think about soccer and, and, and you have a lot of people that talk, think about flopping. They think about uh, embellishment and, and all that kind of stuff. And you don't want something that's associated with with that. Um, that would never that happen in the NBA. That would never, that would never <laughs> happen. We would never see that ever happen in, in the NBA. But, um, and they've got the anti-flapping rules this year. We'll see how that all plays mm -hmm. out. But, um, but it's not to the degree of soccer where it's, you know, you're grabbing your face when somebody kicked the ball <laughs> at your shin and, and, you know, that's sort of just ridiculous stuff. But so there, you're going to have that kind of negativity that's going to seep into the conversation of the in-season tournament. Um, but I think that something like that, we're expected to just all get on board with this and all be excited about it and everything. And a lot of fans are saying, no, I'm not that, that excited. The great thing is you don't have to be. Yeah, I think the NBA has done a fantastic job of covering their bases here because 
You don't have to be excited about the end season tournament. If you don't care about it, guess what? It still counts as a regular season game. Just treat it as a regular season game. Yeah, yeah. the NBA will play it up and everything, but it still counts as a regular season game. So if you don't care about the end season tournament, don't care about the end season tournament. Don't, don't even pay attention to that stuff. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. You haven't lost anything. Nothing has been hurt by this end season tournament. No games are being taken away or anything like that. And so I think that is important to remember when looking at this, when people are skeptical of it. Because I'll be honest, I'm skeptical that it's going to generate the interest the NBA is hoping it's going to. But I was skeptical that the play-in tournament was going to be a good thing. And as soon as year one from the play-in, they got Lakers-Warriors. That was the dream. And and that game was amazing. The game winner. Oh, my God. Uh, We just, we instantly, that was it. That was the end. The in-season tournament or the the play-in tournament is here to stay. At that point. And so I'm trying to be open-minded about the in-season tournament and remind people that nothing is being taken away here. If it doesn't work, this thing will eventually fade away, just like the sleeved jerseys. Um, But if it works and people are surprised, then great. Then we get another fun and exciting thing in the middle of the NBA season. So I'm trying to approach it with an open mind. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you have not tried prize picks, you absolutely should. Here's how it works. It's a daily fantasy sports company where you pick two to six players and pick whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on every sport. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, overseas basketball, cricket, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. You could have LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. If you download PrizePix today and use the promo code RUNNING when you sign up, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That's the promo code RUNNING, and they'll double your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'll build a lineup right now. All right, so you just go into prize picks here. I'm going to pick Brandon Ayuk to finish with more than 47.5 receiving yards. And then I'm also going to pick Adam Thielen to finish with more than 57.5 receiving yards. When Dave Kluge was on the the show uh, earlier this week, he talked about how Thielen was a great option because it's going to be a shootout against Miami. And he's done this every single game this season. So we're going to have a $20 entry here, place entry, and boom, you are good to go. So thank you to Prize Picks. We appreciate them sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they'll double your deposit up to $100. Let's get back to the show. You guys do a great job with the NBA front office show. So I want to ask you some questions that are kind of rumor slash transaction related. Um, sure. Who do you think is the next star player that could be either on trade watch or leave via free agency? I asked Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype this uh, when he was on the show about a week and a half ago. Uh, everyone thought it could be Giannis with some of the comments that he was making. But then obviously the Bucks responded with their the trade for Lillard. So... You know, who is that star that you would kind of have in mind or that teams are having in mind that are circling like vultures? Yeah, I think the guy that that a lot of teams are keeping an eye on is Trey Young uh, in Atlanta. Obviously, they've been kind of sort of they just kind of bouncing around, never really making that jump to being that contending team that they that they want to be. You're spending a lot of money bringing in DeJounte Murray, making these big trades. You They finally, after years of rumors, executed a John Collins deal. But I think Trey Young is a guy to keep an eye on because at some point Atlanta's going to have to make some, some difficult decisions. And 
if it's just not working, if they're not getting to where they want to go, maybe he's a player that starts making enough noise that uh, that he winds up on the market out there. So that's that's the next guy. It would have been, like you said, it would have been Giannis, hmm. but since Dame arrived, I don't think he's he's going anywhere. Um, maybe on a on a lower tier, but Pascal Siakam is another guy certainly to to keep an eye on, and he can be a really good player, really big impact piece. I thought Toronto needed to make moves the last couple of years. And they've been heavy in rumors and then never actually got something done. But I look at what's happening in the Eastern Conference. I look at the arms race that's taking place right now between the Bucks and the Celtics. And I look at teams like the Knicks, teams like the Heat, teams like uh, the Cavs, all these teams that are kind of in a second tier to those top two in the Eastern Conference. I think now, maybe not right now, right now, but sometime midseason, may be a really good opportunity to sell off some pieces and get a great return from one of those teams that's trying to play catch up with the Bucks and the Celtics. Yeah, we're in a really interesting spot. <clears throat> we're in a really interesting spot where, you know, we've had rumors about Dame Lillard, Bradley Beal, Giannis in recent years. And now all of those situations either have resolved themselves or kind of quieted down. So, yeah, there's definitely an opening for, uh, you know, a team. If they do want to move a star player, they could, you know, have basically the, the top star in the market. Obviously, James Harden, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I think uh, with how he's being viewed by other teams and kind of the market for him right now, it doesn't sound like he's on that same level as maybe a superstar that we're kind of talking about. Um, So Harden would probably be the next star to be moved. But uh, yeah, I think Trey Young, Siakam, those are really good answers. Scotto said Joel Embiid, just with everything kind of going on Mm. in Philly. I don't think that is, I think Siakam and Young would probably happen first. But Embiid is certainly the big fish to kind of watch over the next year or two, probably, if they can't put pieces around him. I know he started making some of those little comments like Giannis did, too, about I want to win a championship wherever it is, even if it's not in Philly. So he's kind of had some of those floaters as well uh, or things floated out there. So, yeah, Embiid is also an interesting one to watch. I'm curious, uh, the impact of the new CBA on teams as they're building their roster and trying to build contenders. I know there's some things where... If you spend over luxury tax, you know, you're kind of limited as far as buyouts and what you can receive in trades. Can you kind of speak on the impact of the new CBA? Maybe for fans that don't understand just how much it limits teams that go and splurge a ton like the Phoenix Suns, for example. Yeah, it can be very limiting. We look at, you know, having to having to match salaries and trades and you look at not having a taxpayer mid-level exception to use to go get um, to go get a player in free agency, not having anything you know, other, aside from veteran minimums to go spend. Um it can be very, very punitive. But I think what's really interesting about the new CBA is the most punitive measures of it aren't coming in until next summer. And so what we saw this summer, when we expected everybody to go, oh, okay, I'm not crossing Keith Smith and I on the front office show. We call it the super tax, but the second tier apron, I'm not going to cross that. Instead, you had teams who said, well, it doesn't get super painful to do it until next summer. So let's spend, 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 spend right now while we can. And that's, you know, the Celtics, the Suns, some of these teams that decided to just really go for it. So I wasn't expecting quite that reaction of let's really push down on the gas pedal now and ramp up the spending and then we'll have our team in place. And next year we'll deal with that, with the with the punishments. But I think you're going to see a lot of teams that are going to be doing everything they can that haven't already passed that level to try to stay below that second tier because it is so restrictive. And um I think we've seen it to a degree already. I mean, look, the, the Golden State Warriors making the move with, with Jordan Poole. Like, there's tax ramifications of uh, of that, certainly, clearing off that salary. So I think you're going to see teams ha- start to make some very difficult decisions uh, as early as this year at the trade deadline. Um, not to say that teams that are contending are going to just say, that's it, we got to jettison all these players and get rid of these guys. But 
I do think you're going to see some moves where on paper, you're going to go, hmm, what's happening here? Why is this taking place? And then when you look at, oh, okay, they're dodging that second tier apron, it's going to make sense. Of the teams that did make big moves this offseason, like Milwaukee, Phoenix, Boston, which roster do you like the best? Which one do you think is poised for the, the best season? Because uh, I know it's it's always tough when you don't have that chemistry and you make those big changes and you're trying to learn a new, you know, the group's trying to learn how to play with each other and, and coexist. But of those teams on paper, which one is your favorite? Yeah, I mean, the teams that, that made the big moves, um, you know, again, it, as much as it pains my Lakers soul to say it, but I like what the Celtics did. Um, I like the, the moves that they made. I thought that they did some really nice, nice things. And getting Porzingis, I thought that was a great deal for them. And then, and then bringing in Drew Holiday, that's going to be a big, big move. And then, uh, you know, Milwaukee with Dame, I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic for them. The question is going to be, can they get enough defense around him? But I, I think both of those teams did, did a great job. And I really like what Portland did with, uh, with their Damian Lillard trade. What they ultimately got when they were able to ship out Drew Holiday, I thought they got a lot. Uh, in return for Drew more than I was expecting. And so I think that's going to help jumpstart their rebuild. So even though they're not a team that's you know on the rise going for it right now, I think Portland has positioned themselves really well. Yeah, they have a really fun young core that's going to be you know exciting to watch. What's a team that could surprise people this year? Uh, I, I think the Orlando Magic, uh, and I may mm -hmm. be unbiased because they're right in my backyard, but I think they're a team that has a nice mix of young players and veterans and they could take a jump and kind of surprise people um you know i really like the talent they've assembled there and you know they went out and, and put shooters around paolo and franz and this group which was kind of their big need markel fultz played really well last year but i think he could have a real breakout season coming and uh people forget he's still so young uh just because he's been in the league for a long time and gone through everything he's gone through but you know fultz has really stepped up as a defender and i think his best basketball is ahead of him so this, this team's very interesting. Uh, and then you throw in the rookies, Anthony Black, Jet Howard, some of the picks that they made and some of the offseason additions, you know, Joe Ingles. What are your thoughts on the Magic, first of all, and then who's a team that could, you know, potentially surprise people this year? Yeah, I think the Magic have a really exciting uh, young team that's up and coming, especially if Suggs can really get going. But I, I like what the Magic have. I like what they're building. I thought the, the draft day swerve, uh, last year to get Paulo Bancaro, that's worked out great for them. And that was all-time epic in, in draft history because everybody thought they were going a different direction than theirs. Paulo Bancaro getting drafted. Um, he's been great for them. And so I'm really excited uh, for this Magic team. I think they're going to be good. I don't know if they're in the playoff mix just yet, yeah. but I think they're going to be before long, just organically. And then if they can make some moves, um, obviously the, um, the trades that they made, the Nikola Vucevic trade, has worked out pretty well for them too. So I like what, what the Magic are doing. They're certainly a team on the rise and definitely a team to keep an eye on uh, in the Eastern Conference. The team that I think is getting slept on too much, uh, there's a lot of young teams to be excited about. OKC is certainly one of them that, that's interesting. Houston is even looking interesting. But I'll tell you what, the Minnesota Timberwolves are not getting enough respect right now. This is a team that uh, we're forgetting for some reason that Carl Anthony Towns missed much of last season due to injury. I know people are upset with them still for the Gobert trade. And so we just roll our eyes. And they have a history of struggling. Uh, yes, they overpaid for Rudy Gobert, but I think this is going to be a really good Wolves team. They are uh, certainly in the mix in the Western Conference and can definitely surprise some people, especially as Anthony Edwards continues to become that guy. I think the Wolves are a team that is not getting enough respect in the Western Conference right now, and I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be a real problem in the Western Conference this year. And then, what are your thoughts on this rookie class? I mean, I, I think it has a chance to be you know historically good. 
uh, or not historically good, but on tier with maybe some of those top classes that, you know, we look back on uh, and everyone gets excited about, you know, obviously Victor Weminyama, all the hype is there, but you look at, you know, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, the Thompson twins, and there's some depth too. You look down, you know, in the teens and the early twenties, there's some really good players there as well. What are your thoughts on some of the rookies and, and some of the Lakers young players as well? You can mention them as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a, a really strong rookie class. I, I think the depth is the right word. I think there are guys that are at that, that you're drafting in the in the teens and the 20 that can contribute to, to teams this year. Certainly, we talk about Cam Whitmore, who fell like yeah. crazy in, the, in this draft, fell all the way to 20. He can be good, but uh, Jaime Hawkins, he can be be great as well. I, I like a lot of the players in this draft class. Um I think that there's going to be some opportunities for these guys to make an impact this year, which isn't always the case with with rookie players. But year one, I think there's going to be opportunities for a lot of these guys to step into decent-sized roles with their teams. Of course, Victor Wembanyama at the top, he's going to be somebody to watch on a nightly basis. But I think there's going to be a lot of other guys. I'm really interested to see what Scoot Henderson does there with the Blazers now that it's you know, officially, unofficially his team. Uh, that they're building around. So excited to see what happens there. As far as the Lakers go, I, I think that, uh, as I talked about earlier, with the depth of this team, their two main guys that they added in the draft are, are Jalen Huchifino and Maxwell Lewis. I don't think we're going to see a lot of of either one of these guys. As much as I'm talking about the year one guys and how they're going to have an opportunity to step in and perform, I don't think that's going to be the case with the Lakers. They've got enough guard depth. They've got a lot of wing depth to where if either one of those guys is seeing a lot of minutes this year, something probably went went wrong. So I think this is going to be an opportunity for JHS, for Lewis, to both kind of get their legs under them, get used to being in the NBA, and then go from there. And so far from what we've seen, Lewis has done some nice things in preseason. Same thing with, with JHS. His shot has been a bit awry, but both of them also look like they need time. They need time to really develop. And I think they're going to have the opportunity to do that on, on this deep, deep Lakers team. Yeah, we mentioned the Blazers young core twice. You look at it, Scoo Henderson, Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams III, and then Matisse Thybul. They still have guys like Malcolm Brogdon and Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant that they could trade for more assets, you know, like we saw they did with Drew Holiday. They could flip those guys for picks, young players. So, yeah, you know, I just want to, Chris Murray, there's other guys too that are there that are exciting. That, that's a really fun young team that, uh, you know, should be talked about some more. Um, last question for you. We we kind of mentioned it briefly, but the whole James Harden situation, there have been a lot of talks about, you know, the Clippers and whether they're going to step up and, and trade for him, you know, maybe before the season starts even. Uh, obviously, I understand their perspective, too, basically saying we're not going to bid against ourselves. It doesn't sound like there's much of a market for him. How do you think this Harden situation plays out? And uh, are you afraid of Harden on the Clippers at this point in his career? Uh, so I think that ultimately he'll wind up with the Clippers somehow. Now, what we heard, uh, I think this was this morning, was that the 76ers want to take whatever assets they get in a James Harden trade, whether it be from the Clippers or whoever, and flip that into a star-level guard. Well, that's that's going to be tough, right? Because yeah. who's paying star-level assets for James Harden right now is one year on, on his contract for the, for this version of James Harden. But uh, am I afraid of of Harden on the on the Clippers? Yes and no. Because I think he both raises their ceiling and lowers their floor. There's the chance that this just self-destructs. If you add James Harden to Russell Westbrook, to Paul George, to Kawhi Leonard, and there's one basketball and, you know, PG and Kawhi play solid defense. But other than that, like, are you going to have Russ and Harden in the backcourt? And are they just going to get lit up? This could get very messy. 
with the Clippers if they get him. But then, of course, there's also the the chance that they say, hey, you know what? We're veterans. This is our chance. We got to put our put everything aside. We got to sacrifice for the team. And they're all able to, you know, one for all and all for one it all the way to an, an NBA Finals appearance. They certainly have that uh, outcome as well. And Harden could be that guy that Kawhi's hurt or something, or, or Paul George has an off night and he can go in and drop 25 on any given night. So I think it has both things where it can it can create a more combustible situation, which lowers the floor, mm-hmm. but it also gives them a higher ceiling and more upside. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be very dramatic, I think, if he does wind up with the Clippers. But um, that is what I think is going to happen. Just it may not be right now. It may take a little bit of time before that gets done. Yeah, I think if you're the Clippers, again, if there's no other teams that are really making significant offers, there's no point in increasing your offer and bidding against yourself. So I'm curious to see how this kind of comes to an end. We've also seen someone like Daryl Morey, he's willing to kind of uh, mm-hmm. be patient and, and wait this thing out and, and see if offers improve as the season goes along. So it'll be very interesting to kind of watch as that how that unfolds. But Trevor, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Uh, anyone who's not already following Trevor, make sure you guys do that. Check out Lakers Nation, does a great job over there. And check out the NBA front office show. Thanks so much, Trevor. Hey, thank you, Alex. I appreciate you having me. And again, congrats on the uh, the new show. Thank you so much. If you guys want to subscribe to the new show, make sure you do so you don't miss any new episodes. Uh, new episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, so you don't want to miss those. We have a bunch of big guests coming. Uh, Palo Bancaro is going to be coming on soon. That's one I'm excited about, so I can mention that right now. Uh, some other awesome analysts, uh, executives, players, so be sure to subscribe. And until next Tuesday, thanks for watching. <laughs>